I see a lot of sales pitches and I just always read a ton of marketing messages in my line of work. So I feel like so often there is one main reason that stands out to me why our offers are not converting. So it really doesn't matter whether your offer, so to speak, is a free lead magnet or a paid product. But if you fix this one issue, then I guarantee you your conversion rates are going to go through the roof. And I'll tell you what that is right after this. So the real question is this. How can podcasters like us who've done the work, built a following, and actually made a difference monetize our podcast without selling out to sponsors who don't really value our community anyway? That is the question, and this is the answer. Welcome to Podcast Monetization Secrets. Hi there. Welcome to the show. My name is Christy Hostler, and thank you so much for joining me today. In case you haven't met me yet, just briefly, let me tell you, my uh, company is Team Podcast, and we're a full-service podcast production company, and I am focused on podcast monetization. I've made over a million dollars from podcasting, and you can do it, too, if you put the right steps in place to make it happen. It doesn't happen by accident, and it's completely intentional, and that's why we're here today to talk about what you can do to monetize your podcast. So in one of my masterminds recently, we have spent a lot of time discussing our offers and people have been throwing their offers out and even their offer ideas out to the group for feedback. And I'll be honest with you, sometimes I feel like their offer is sort of like a word salad. (laughs) And sometimes it helps like someone like me being in a different industry than some of these people in my mastermind. Because if I can't understand what they're trying to accomplish with their offer, probably their who doesn't understand either. So it's kind of a good thing. But I get that it's sometimes hard to articulate what you do and how you help people. Something I hear very often from my clients, uh, many times they have had a business going for several years and it's plotted along. It's been okay. But they still talk in really generic terms about how they help people. They might say, oh, I uh, teach anger management. Well, how do you help people? You make them less angry. What, what, what exactly do you do? And they, they might say, well, I am here to show this person or that person how they can uh, do this better or something like that. So it's very, very generic terms. And the more I immerse myself in marketing and marketing language and marketing copy and even surround myself with world-class marketers, the easier it has become to spot this flaw, it's actually something I can now spot in my own pitches and my own offers as well. So what is this flaw I'm referring to? Well, in business and in marketing, to be honest, you need to build your offers around one big idea. And when you first start your business, you may have a big idea at the time, but very soon the marketplace catches up and is flooded with everyone else doing the same thing. And so many times your big idea is sort of in transition constantly as your business grows. When I started Team Podcast. I started it because I could not find a company that I wanted to hire to work on my podcast. 
And at that time in 2012, there were no sort of one-stop shops where you could get all of the post-production on your podcast done at sort of one price per episode. There was one company out there called Podfly that was sort of working in that direction, but I could not stand put around like the parameters they put around the length of your audio files and how many ums they would include removing in your package before you got an extra charge. And so it just really got on my nerves that no one was offering a great solution. So when I started, my one big idea was doing all the post-production on a podcast for one price per episode and not nickel and diming customers with every other little thing that other companies were doing. Fast forward, you know, almost 10 years later, and almost every podcast production company has that model now. So even though I was sort of ahead of the curve at the time, like my big idea from 10 years ago is no longer a big and revolutionary idea. And I've told you before in episodes how I got a virtual punch in the gut from a client that led me down the path of diving into marketing and monetizing podcasts. And so now my big idea is not just that we'll produce podcasts like everyone else is doing, but also that we are going to work to help podcasters monetize their podcast. Now, it takes a completely different skill set to learn the marketing skills, to monetize a podcast. And that's why I've had to heavily invest over the last four years in really learning, learning from the best, and then continually paying for my education. So it's part of the reason I heavily invest in masterminds and accountability groups and things like that, because I constantly need that education. I need to know what's going on in the marketing world. So first of all, I want to talk to you about why it's important to have a big idea. And there are several reasons, and you can probably come up with some on your own, but let me just get to the most important ones. The marketplace is more crowded than ever. And with social media, I mean, everyone just about has online access down to their phones now. We have 24-hour TV consumption. Back in the day, you know, TV stations and that sort of thing, we had three stations to choose from and the TV would go off at, you know, midnight and come back on at six o'clock in the morning. Everything is at our fingertips now and it's all on demand. So your ideal customers are bombarded with more ad and more sales messages per day than ever before. So the only way that you can really stand out in a crowded marketplace is with your big idea. So that's the first thing. A crowded marketplace makes it hard to hear over the noise. So you have to stand out. Number two, I hate to say it, but we've all become a victim of this. But your customers have a shorter attention span than ever. Face it, we live in an instant gratification age. And if we can't post something immediately on Facebook or Instagram or whatever and begin having people applaud or like or, you know, heart us or whatever, like we don't want to waste our time. So consumers no longer have the attention span, ourselves included, to make it through a long sales cycle. Everything is shortened now. So if it takes them months to get their problem solved, they don't have the attention span for it. They want that problem solved as soon as possible, probably yesterday. 
The third thing is that you need to be aware of is that improvement offers are not going to capture your ideal customer's attention. Your customers may not know it and they may not tell you this out of your their mouths, but your customers are looking for transformation. And if you can't provide that, someone else will. It's just the reality of it. Number four, generalists are out and specialists are in. You've probably heard that old phrase that says the riches are in the niches and every business has to niche down to survive in this market. Everyone is not your ideal customer. They're not. And even if you could help everyone, many times you can make a bigger difference and actually have more revenue by picking a sub-niche of your niche and finding an area within that where you can provide transformation. And when you have an offer that works, go all in on that one offer. One of my masterminds is with uh, Russell Brunson, and he basically tells us, create one offer and stick with it until that offer hits a million dollars, and then you can move on to the next one and do the same thing. And it forces you to continue to tweak, to continue to innovate, to continue to adjust and optimize everything you're doing. If it's a great idea, double down on it and triple down and keep doing that until you get the results you need. Now, in some of the training I'm going through with Russell Brunson, we've talked extensively about creating a really tight niche. And one of my coaches in that mastermind, says something that I hadn't heard before, but it makes a lot of sense. And he says, carve out a niche so tight that you are the only one that will fit in it. So when we think about that, it's going to be interesting because it will help you look at your niche in a whole new way. Now, I'm just going to stop here and get into this in a minute, but I wanted to tell you that if you need help with your podcast and you are Wondering what you're doing right, wondering what you're doing wrong, wondering what you can do to move the needle and and really begin to get some traction again, not just with downloads, not just with email opt-ins, but also with actually taking steps toward monetization. I have a podcast tune-up that I offer, and it's just that where I look under the hood, I look at all the stuff you're putting out there. I make suggestions based on the tried and true and proven ways that we know that marketing and exposure and engagement works. And then I sit down and meet with you and give you all of those things that you can fix, all of the things that you can tweak. And then we work on your paths toward monetization. And hopefully you'll be able to then take action on those and become monetized very quickly. If that sounds like something that will help you without you having to feel like you've got to Try to buy another course and learn independently on your own or hang out all day long in the Facebook groups where everyone that's commenting doesn't really know what they're doing either. And they're all just trying to figure out as they go along. Then simply go to teampodcast.com forward slash tune up. That's teampodcast, T-E-A-M podcast.com forward slash tune up. And you can find all the details there. And I'd love to be able to do that for you. I've been having a lot of fun doing these podcast tune-ups for clients. And it's 
kind of fun because I, I don't just get to do the tune up, but I, then I get to sort of keep in touch with them later and see like, hey, I noticed you made this change to what you were doing or that change. And they email me and say, I got my first two clients last week or or just different wins that they've had along the way. So it's very, very good for my soul as well to be able to do those for you. So if you want to do that, go to teampodcast.com forward slash tune up. Now, back to carving out niches and carving out a niche that is so small that only you fit in it. What it does is it requires that we really understand who we serve inside and out. And I'm not just talking about understanding who the person is that you serve. Like, I'm talking way deeper than that. So this is not just my avatar is Sally. She's 40 years old. She's a wife and she's a mother. And she works from home and she's looking to do this in her life. Like I'm talking about what are their needs and desires? What have they already tried and failed at? Who are they currently turning to for help? And tons of other really specific knowledge that you need to have about your who. And the reality is that you really have to love the who that you're serving in order to create transformation. For most of us, I'm going to be honest with you, we have actually been our who. I was the who that started a podcast that didn't know how to monetize it, didn't know why in the world I was trying so hard to collect email addresses. And when I had two or three people finally get on my email list, I was thrilled to death because I didn't know what to do with that. I didn't know what an offer was. I didn't know why in the world they kept saying that the real value of your business is in your email list, like none of it made sense to me. I was the who, and it's the who that I now serve today, and I am better able to serve that who because I've been that who. And probably I find it very, very consistently with podcasters. I would say 90% of podcasters actually are their who. And one of the things that will help you is if you can kind of tap into what it was like when you were a who. So let me give you some ideas of some questions that you should get clear on about your who that will enable you to come up with your big idea. Like your big idea and your transformation doesn't come from you just having a surface knowledge of an avatar or a who. It comes from you having lived it and having been it and having transformed yourself from that who. So I'm going to already assume that you have a good idea of who your who is. So I'm going to pick up after the point that you've determined who your who is. And all the who's in whoville, I don't know, it's going to turn into a tongue twister. So first of all, what are their problems? Right now, what are their problems? What are their concerns? What are they concerning themselves with about these problems? What do they really want? Now, I'm not talking about what do they think they want. I'm talking about what do they really want? Now, you've probably heard about the guy who walked in the hardware store and they asked him how they could help him. He said, I need a three quarter inch drill bit. And it might seem obvious that what this guy wants when he comes in and says, what do you need? And he say, I need a three-quarter inch drill bit, that the guy wants a three-quarter inch drill bit. Duh. I mean, right? Hello, Captain Obvious. But the thing is, when you actually look at it and you look a little deeper, 
actually what that guy wants is a three-quarter inch hole, not a three-quarter inch drill bit. He's just using the three-quarter inch drill bit to create the three-quarter inch hole. This is what happens very often when I talk to clients. I mentioned it in last week's episode that many times people say, I want to create a new logo or I want to buy new equipment. They're taking these actions that feel like they're getting closer to their goal. Like this guy walking into the hardware store to buy a three-quarter inch drill. He's a lot closer to his goal of having a three-quarter inch hole than he was before he walked in the hardware store. But many times until you drill down, I had it had it happen this week in a Facebook group. Uh, a lady's like, um, who do you guys recommend for uh, podcast PR and um, for social media management and blah, 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 blah. Now, after my, my last episode, you're like, oh, gosh, Christy, you're now seeing this everywhere pop up. But I mean, this person is actually going to or wanting to pay a PR company for promoting their podcast. And my question was, like, what's the goal? Are you, you know, are you trying to get more downloads so that you can get sponsors or increase the number of sponsors that you have? Or is there a different offer that you're looking to drive your podcast listeners to? And because if she honestly, if she wants more downloads, why would you fool with PR? PR is not going to get you downloads. Go where the people are, where the people are already listening to podcasts. Like PR is a, God, is such a pray and spray, high level. Let's hit everyone out there and hope a few fall through down further into the funnel. And that is not okay. But I had to get down to the questions of what are you really wanting to get out of this? She's like, oh, I'm wanting to get more sponsors. And then my next question, of course, is, is your sponsor inventory, your ad inventory already filled? Because if it's not completely filled yet, you don't need more people downloading your podcast. You need people getting you more sponsors, right? I mean, why would you ever spend money to get more downloads if you haven't already maxed out the ad revenue you have from your existing downloads? I mean, it's crazy, but that I told you in episode last week about a client I have that's in that same situation, and I will not let her go and advertise on the podcast apps yet because she's going to get zero ROI on it. And this is what you've got to be willing to look at. Getting below the surface with your who is going to help you know them intimately, be in their head, so to speak, and help you create your big idea. So what does your who want to avoid at all cost? Part of your big idea could be helping them avoid that. You know, maybe your who doesn't want to end up bankrupt. Maybe your who doesn't want to end up divorced. Maybe your who doesn't want to end up uh, childless, right? So could you help transform that aspect so that you can ensure that that never happens to them so that you can avoid them at all costs or they can avoid that at all costs. What fears are present already within your who? Because you're going to have to deal with them. Those fears are going to come out right away when you start working with them. Part of the other thing about getting really clear on your who 
is it will also help you decide who you don't want to work with. So, for example, if you don't love your who enough to go through all of this, then you probably should work with someone else. Many entrepreneurs are chasing money and they don't really realize this until after they've created a money making business that now they hate. (laughs) So getting clear on this who is foundational for so many reasons. Part of them have to do with you as well. What does your who love? My who better love podcasting. And some people do. Some people keep a podcast going forever because I just love podcasting. I want them to love it because I love it too. What do they hate or despise? Think about it. What do they come to you already hating and despising? Because here's the thing. If you remind them of that which they already hate and despise, you're going to repel them. What are they already spending their money on? (laughs) For my avatar, like I've already told you, it's new equipment, it's a new logo, it's rebranding on their website. And all of these things are things that they think are good, productive activities for improving their podcast, but it's really not going to get them to their goal. You know, it's one of those things when I start drilling down and asking them why and what they're wanting to get out of it, they begin to realize and feel a little sheepish like, I guess I do need more downloads, or I guess I do want more downloads, and I somehow think my logo is going to get me more. What are they currently spending their money on? What do they do for fun? Like, where do they hang out in real life? You know why that's important? Because if you hang out there, too, you're going to have to spend a whole lot less time on marketing and a whole lot less money on it, too. What books Is your who already reading? Can you talk to him in that language? Can you talk to him about those books? What are some of their core beliefs? I'm not saying they're correct core beliefs because we have some core beliefs that are wrong. (laughs) My avatar does anyway. But what are their core beliefs? What are their blind spots? What are they not seeing? Like those blind spots are the things that like a logo is not going to help you get more downloads. Or just and improving your logo is not going to get you more downloads. Improving and getting a new microphone like you can't tell if I if this podcast gets edited right. Now, granted, I have some background noise because I have my dogs are here in the office and uh, that kind of thing. But if I edit this show right, you're not going to be able to tell whether I am sitting here on a ninety nine dollar microphone or a five hundred dollar microphone. Right. Because it does not matter to you as a listener. In fact, if I went out on a walk and just used my iPhone and gave you great content, you would probably still listen. If you're already listening right now, where is your who stuck? Mine are stuck. Boy, I'll tell you exactly where mine are stuck. Mine are stuck in free content creation mode. They can't do anything else but put out free content. They're scared to. They don't know what else to do. They don't know where to start. But they are stuck and they feel too guilty of not putting out a show to even pull back from putting out a show. So they're stuck. They're overwhelmed. They're burdened down by the fact that they've got to keep grinding out these shows because they've created this monster that's now consumed their lives. Who? is currently letting your who down. Boy, there's a lot of people that are letting my who down. 
I don't want to be one of them, but who are the people that are presently letting them down? What industries or companies are currently failing them? Boy, I could start up. I have a huge list. Podcasting is one of those industries that's popped up that there's a lot of opportunistic people that are really preying on podcasters. I cannot even log into LinkedIn before I get 50 direct messages from people talking about they're going to promote my podcast. I need to promote you can I can promote your podcast. For just this amount of dollars, I can promote your podcast. And all they're doing, honestly, all they're doing is just spamming your links out there in such a way that the bots pick them up and they get more downloads. But the downloads aren't real. Like people can download your show and never listen. So it doesn't mean you're actually getting people to subscribe and stay with you. And all those things, the activities they're taking are against the podcast app's terms of service anyway. So why would you risk getting your show that is the largest organic traffic source for your business kicked off of those main traffic platforms? You shouldn't. So what industries and companies are currently failing your who? Think about this. What old models, old methods, or even old systems are failing them? In marketing, my gosh, we have a lot of companies that they have not evolved with the times as far as marketing goes, and they're still doing the same old methods in that worked in 1982. And don't get me wrong, there are some timeless tried and true marketing methods, but boy, there are a lot of old systems and old methods that basically just need to be put by the wayside and innovated and improved upon. You know what else? Your who has some lies that they are believing. My who does. And the more I'm in touch with that, the better I can reach them. Because I know that one of the lies they're believing is that they can't monetize their podcast. I know that some of the lies in our industry that podcasters across the industry are believing is that there is no money in podcasting. But I'm going to be honest with you, every niche I talk to, says that their industry has no money in it. (laughs) Can you believe that? Every industry, every business owner I talk to, oh yeah, my people are notoriously cheap. Well, stop attracting cheap people, right? Maybe it's not your people that are cheap. Maybe you're just putting out things that attract cheap people. Stop doing that. Become more value-based and then you don't have to worry about the price that you actually charge. Long time ago, I gave up on doing the old response in Facebook groups when someone's like, I'm looking for an editor. I need an affordable editor. I'm on a budget, blah, 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 blah. I don't respond to those. Why? Because I'm not looking to to play in the race to the bottom. And you shouldn't either. Who wants to build their business that way? Like I spent my first couple years in business doing that. And you know what I did? I worked 100 hours a week for the pay that I should get for working 40 hours a week. So how better was my life? It wasn't. So what lies are your who believing? The more you can tap into that and the more you can break down those beliefs and those lies that they're believing, the better chance you have of getting them to buy into transformation. Who is loving your who well? Because that's the people you need to pay attention to. Who right now 
is loving your who well. And if no one is, bam, that's a perfect market opportunity for you to jump in and be the person who loves your who well. Another very critical question, how aware is your who of the problem that you want to solve for them? Being problem aware is a really critical part of marketing. I had a client once and she it was in a very tight niche of the real estate market. Well, it wasn't really it was sort of the real estate market, but it was also sort of the green market. So there are if you guys have ever looked at a realtor's website or business card or whatever, like you see all kinds of letters after their name. <laughs> so like, you know, GR, FE, RE, you know, all these initials. And it's because there are additional certifications that these realtors take so that they can become a commercial certified realtor or they can become a green certified realtor or they can become like this certification and that certification. And there's tons of them out there. So the more of these things people that realtors have, the more like specialized they can be sort of with who they target. You know, and they can say, hey, I'm specifically trained in the type of real estate that you're looking for. So what this client was, was she was actually a green expert and she wanted to target the realtors that weren't going through and getting the green certification, but may have just wanted to get a little more information about being green, like to be able to put that knowledge to use in a working way, but not really be certified for that. And so when I started probing and asking questions about the market that she was dealing with, I said to her, this is not all realtors, like how many realtors are interested in green certification or energy efficiency or, you know, that sort of thing with homes, but yet they're choosing not to get the green certification and not to go through that process to have that credential but yet they're green enough aware to want to purchase or spend money to get more information about that. And she said, oh, it's a very, very small segment of realtors. And in my mind, I thought, okay, so you've got, you know, of all the realtors that are out there, and I don't know how many there are in the United States, but of all the realtors that are out there, you have a very, very small market that you're wanting to deal with. And then the next question came, do those realtors know that they want to be, I mean, are they problem aware? Do they know they want to be more green? Do they know that this is a problem they are actively trying to address in their life? And the answer is no. So then what happens is you spend all your time educating your customer and all your marketing dollars educating your customer and never get a chance to sell your customer. Because with her specific situation, if she was making them green aware, she was going to lose a customer because they were going to go and spend the same amount of money to get the actual green certification that was recognized in their industry versus just some sort of supplemental training that she was providing. So do you understand like being problem aware or being aware that this is an issue that they need solved in their life and then also being willing to pay money? To solve the problem, 
this is where people get hung up. And I've, I've had so many clients that have come to me in this messy middle, so to speak, where they, they want to talk about this on their podcast, but they actually want to serve somebody different within their business. And the two don't really line up. But then at the same time, you can't really draw a direct line from one to the other. So they're just out here talking and creating this platform and talking about this topic over here on their podcast on one side and then wondering why in the world it hasn't fed their business over here on the other side. And you should be able to connect those dots all the way and draw a line through. If you're talking about a subject on your podcast that is different than who you're actually selling to in your business, then it needs to be because you're using your podcast as a way to get the ideal guests that you want on the show, either because they also have audiences that you want to buy your product or because they would be your ideal clients. So understand that being problem aware and being willing to spend the money on it is going to be part of your big idea and what you choose is your big idea. Is your who already looking for solutions to the problem? <laughs> like the lady in the Facebook group yesterday. Unfortunately, she was. She's looking to PR firms. And I'm just going to tell you this. PR people are not cheap. They're not cheap at all, and they're expensive, and it is going to put a huge hole in her wallet if that lady goes through with a PR firm. But the other problem is she might, and you can ask all these people, like I have tons of clients that, you know, you go to their website, and they're like, you know, appeared on CSNB, uh, what do you call it, MSNBC, appeared on CBC, NBC, appeared on Fox News, appeared on Good Morning America, all these TV appearances where you go in as the expert, and because you're the PR person got you the gig, you're going on TV as an expert. You have two minutes to talk about a specific problem, but there's no call to action at the end other than them saying your name and you'd become a nameless, faceless person. And you've just been broadcast into millions and millions of these homes. But the reality is that only a small fraction of the people that are going to hear and see you are actually even your ideal client. And the other part of it is most of the people who are your ideal client are probably not watching Good Morning America or CNBC or whatever. All you are doing that for is a credibility play, right? And if you want to spend money to be credible, you know, there are a lot of other ways you can do it to actually get something out of it. But here's the thing. If your who isn't already looking for solutions, you're going to have to spend your time educating them, right? They're not ready to be buyers yet. If your who has already spent money, like who has your who already tried and failed? That could be a good thing or a bad thing, right? Because if they've tried a lot and failed a lot, they're going to come to you very skeptical of your solution. But if they haven't tried yet because they haven't been willing to spend the money or been problem aware, that's a whole different thing. So this is just literally a short list of questions that you need to be able to answer about your who before you try to come up with your big idea. There are so many more that can be answered and really help you get inside the mental state and the mind of your who, because the more you do that, the better your business is going to be. And it, it may seem overwhelming for you right now to think about all of these things. 
but I'm just going to tell you it can be catastrophic to your business if you ignore them. It's catastrophic to my client who wanted to earn her full-time living and wanted to spend all kind of money setting up marketing funnels and whatever for this offer that, number one, was not a proven offer to a target audience that didn't even know they were her target audience. Right? That's pretty devastating, too. Pretty catastrophic to your bottom line revenue. So when things like that come up, you have to change and you have to adapt. Part of the the reason so many podcasts rebrand is because at some point in time, podcasters do become aware of this. They become aware that they started a podcast that they really can't transition into where they're actually heading now. And it doesn't have the legs to move itself in that direction. And so they either abandon it or they start another one or, or, you know, something else happens. Your who is looking for transformation in one specific area. And it's up to you to carve out a niche that's just small enough or just big enough that you're the only one that fits in it. Don't try to model what you're doing after what your competitors are doing. Most of the time, they're just winging it anyway. I know my competitors are. My competitors don't want to talk about marketing. People have this aversion to the word funnel. I told you about before where I can remember, you know, saying to a client one time, you know, tell me what you're using as the top of your funnel. And I I even came right back after that and said, I even hate to use that word. I remember speaking those words. Boy, what an ignorant production person I was back then. That's the whole thing. We we take advice from people who don't know what funnels are, who are adverse to funnels because a funnel represents their own internal blocks with money. It represents their own internal fears that if they put themselves out there in a way that seems like they're selling, that people are actually going to reject them and not buy what they're offering. But the absolute opposite is true. If you are not overt and you are not explicit in how you let people know that you can help them, they are not just going to subliminally take a hint and happen to go and try to find your website one day by Googling you and happen to see if you have any programs or speaking engagements or courses or other things that they can buy. You have to take the sales role actively in your podcast. You have to. And so if you look, if I looked at what all my competitors are doing, do you know what every one of them are doing? Every one of them are relying on referrals. And don't get me wrong, I love referrals. In fact, let me just put a plug in right here. If you are in a position where you ever have to recommend podcast production services to people, I have an affiliate program for Team Podcast, and we're the only affiliate program that pays you MRR. What is MRR? MRR is monthly recurring revenue as a commission on what we're earning from the client that you recommended to us. So as long as that client pays Team Podcast every single month for podcast production, you get 10% of that. Why? Because I would have to spend 10% on cold traffic ads anyway, and I'd much rather, if you're a good client, I'd much rather have people that are just like you that you hang out with that you can vouch for 
why it's an easier, quicker sale. And I can help them more. And I know it's more in alignment with the type of client that I want. So understand that there are ways that you are going to sort of be the outlier in your industry if you step out with a big transforming idea. Your competitors are so entrenched with what they've always done. And some of you might even have competitors that are big companies that cannot change on a dime. Like it takes them a year just to get legal approval to put a press release on their website. Right? So if people are so entrenched with what they've already done and what they've always been doing, they're probably not willing to change, even if that's what the customers are really asking them to do. We have so many industries like that. I mean, think about the airline industry and You know, we went from used to be where you could uh, book a flight and you'd pay for the flight. Yeah, you might shop around a little bit for it. But once you got on your flight, you knew you could bring two bags. You knew if it was during a mealtime, you were going to get a meal. You knew at the very least you're going to get a snack and a drink and a pillow and a blanket and a pair of headphones and whatever else whenever you bought a plane ticket. Now, oh, my gosh, it's you buy a plane ticket. Do you want to add on choosing your seat? Okay, that's. Ten more dollars. Do you want to sit on this row with? We give you a little more room. We're not going to pack you in like sardines. We're only going to pack you in like oranges, right? And so you get in there, and every single decision you have to make is upsell. Now there are so many industries like that that are screaming for customer reform, but whenever one airline does it, they all start doing it, right? And then nobody's meeting the needs of the customers. In creating your big idea. You are, in effect, creating a movement. And that's a little bit scary to some people because it's like a movement. Oh, my gosh, I don't want to be the head of a movement. Yeah, just like you don't want to put in sales funnels in effect. But I'm going to tell you, when you have your first month where you hit five figures or six figures in a month, you're going to be thankful for that sales funnel. It's not going to feel quite so bad that you said the F word funnel, right? So understand that in creating transformation for your audience, you are giving them a new identity to embrace. And the more you can get your audience to embrace their new identity and the more transformation you are offering them, the more successful your business will be. We're not thinking big enough when we're creating our big idea. Like we think our big idea is something that's like 10-year-old idea that everybody already out there is already doing. But my friends, we are the entrepreneurs. We're the change makers. We're the ones who don't settle for the status quo. We're the ones who break the rules because we know that the rules only exist to serve other people and not the best interests of our who. We're the ones who can bring transformation to the lives of our who if we can only get our heads around our big idea. It's not enough to educate people. Trust me, you could go broke educating people. And don't get me wrong, education is good. But it isn't going to motivate anyone enough for them to take action. Helping people with a problem isn't enough. Your who could go broke trying to get help from every guru who can only give them help and get them a little further down the line. Wouldn't people rather trade in a little help here and a little help there and a little help there for one larger ticket price transformation? Heck yeah, they would. I know I would. In order to be successful, you've got to be willing to think big enough. You've got to be willing to implement fast enough. 
to create a transformational journey that your who will go on you with. In order to be successful, you've got to be willing to think big enough and implement fast enough to create a transformational journey that your who is willing to take with you. And I'm going to be real about this. And the reason I can be real about this is because I am my who. I have been my who. I will always be my who. Most of the time when me as an entrepreneur and we as entrepreneurs and problem solvers don't think big enough to create a transformational experience for our who, it is because we are afraid. We fear calling our shot and having to live up to the transformational standard that we promised our who. What if it doesn't work? We don't believe in ourselves enough to make waves in our industry. What if my competitors attack me? What if they've got a target on my back now? We're scared to put ourselves out there and open ourselves up to the scrutiny and ridicule. I'm just going to tell you this. When I start making big waves out there, I'll know because every male podcast guru is willing to try to mansplain me and shoot down everything I'm doing. And you know what? That's okay. I'll wear it with a badge because I will have earned that. We don't want to be disruptive because we're worried about our competition coming back to us and coming after us. And we're worried about our reputation if we're disruptive. But let me tell you this. If you create enough transformations in the lives of your who, no one will listen to the naysayers. It won't even matter. If you change enough lives, you'll create so many evangelists for your program in the process that you won't even have to fend off attacks because they will do it for you. That's why they're your evangelists. If you truly love your who enough, you will be willing to transform your own life so that you can keep transforming theirs. It is a fact. If you are unwilling to transform, then you cannot offer transformation to someone else. And that is the point at which you stop chasing money and you start chasing impact. And the more impact you achieve, the more money you will receive. I hope this has been helpful for you today. You've got a big idea in you. You've got a transformational experience that you could take your who's on if you can get out of your own head and put it out there and hold yourself accountable for doing and being exactly the person that transforms so that you can bring your who along with you. If you need anything, you know where I am. You can find me at teampodcast.com. And I hope this has helped you today. Don't always get a lot of tough love from me, but this is a little bit of tough love today. But I want it to motivate you. I want it to make you reach further and think deeper about what you're going to offer to your audience. Because it needs to be the big idea. It needs to be the transformation that you can bring them. And how you do that is up to you. Thank you for joining us today. 
If you'd like to continue the conversation about how to monetize your podcast, I want to invite you to join our private Facebook group. Just go to facebook.com forward slash podcast monetization secrets and click the button to join. And then I'll see you on the inside.